Hey there, friends. Welcome to another episode of Mid-Am Crisis. My name's Jay Revel. Love having you here, uh, coming in to listen to another wonderful conversation. This week, I've got my good friend Trey Runkle uh, calling in to the show to have a little chat. You might know Trey from his outstanding website, Outside the Cut. Uh, he's a real riot on, uh, uh, on the golf Twitter scene and someone that I always enjoy uh, sitting down and having a chat with about all things happening in our game. We talked a little bit about uh, his golfing life in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., some fun things happening there with the National Links Trust uh, uh, that he's got a, a small role in. And um, we also discussed, you know, <laughs> really uh, how this year went straight downhill from the last time we saw each other at the PGA show. Uh, and then kind of wove into a variety of topics, including what stories we think are still yet to develop uh, in 2020. But anywho, uh, Trey's a great conversation, someone I always uh, uh, have fun talking to. I think you're going to enjoy listening to the conversation, and I appreciate you tuning in. Uh, be sure to uh, subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite uh, listening channels, uh, and give us a review if you get the chance. Uh, always appreciate that. Uh, so, anywho, without further ado, here is episode two of Mid-Am Crisis with my friend Trey Runkle of Outside the Cut. Enjoy. Trey. What's up, pal? What's going on, Jay? How are you? I'm good, man. Just, uh, you know, another day in paradise here in Florida's <laughs> capital city. Yeah, uh, yeah. The opposite of quiet here in the nation's capital, for sure. It's um, it's quite a unique environment that we find ourselves in here in the District of Columbia. What's what's a bigger news story right now? Uh, Trump getting uh, the COVID, or uh, the National Links Trust taking over uh, three <laughs> national parks courses there for the next fifty years? I guess it depends who you ask, but I have to say I was out at East Potomac tonight. Uh, you know, today was their takeover day. Um, yeah. First day, I guess is they're calling it. And, you know, it's a big deal here in D.C., not only in D.C., but for municipal golf around the country. I think it's it's a really big occasion. But that said, uh, I, <laughs> I still think that there were qu quite a few conversations going on uh it's a small gathering that was there outside um, about the broader, you know, national events occurring right now. So I'd, I'd have to lean with, you know, the Trump COVID situation, despite my love for what's happening with National Links Trust. The last time I was in D.C. was in uh, early 2017. And that was my first trip there since my eighth grade field trip, you know, where the whole class literally, you know, uh, goes up there, you know, small town kids running amok in their nation's capital. Um, that, you know, it's so funny because like the town just has this vibe to it. I don't know how to really just, I guess it's just, it's just kind of intense. <laughs> it's just got an it's intense a strange vibe. place. You know, I grew up in Chesapeake. Virginia, lived in Houston very briefly, uh, went to school in Williamsburg, Virginia. Then I lived in Manhattan for, I don't know, seven years and then moved to D.C. And it's 
I don't know that I found a city that is quite as peculiar as DC. It's, I, I don't even know that I'd actually call it a city. It's, it's kind of like a fake city. It's not, I, I've never been able to put my finger on it. It's just different. You know, it, it here in Tallahassee, right? So, I mean, we have a legislative session. It lasts 60 days a year. And the Capitol, you know, our big phallic-looking Capitol looms over the skyline. And, you know, it's a big part of who we are. But it, I, don't, I don't really think it defines us. Like, I think FSU and the universities define who we are as a place much more than the Capitol sure. does. But, you know, for 60 days a year, it gets, you know, it gets pretty, pretty interesting downtown. But, you know, up there, it, it's, it's just it never stops. There's never a break, never break to it. And there's just always, it feels like, you know, there's, there's just sort of this looming mood to it, it all. Yeah. I don't know. It, it just feels like there's... It's a very moody town. Everyone's waiting for the... Very moody. Yeah, yeah. It's like everyone's waiting for the next story to drop. The next big breaking, you know, thing that's going to upset the entire apple cart. I know? hear you. Interesting vibe. So I got, you know... And I guess between all that, people just slide over to East Potomac and smack rainfall. <laughs> yeah, you know, they. I've been going over there a lot this year. More more range time this year than ever uh, for a variety of reasons, mostly due to COVID. But um, the range falls there are this strange sort of grab bag of balls, right? Where they have, mm. you know, half, not half, a small portion of the balls are maybe chopped up. They're old, like Strixons, and maybe there's some new Strixons. Then you get this uh, sort of like Easter basket of random golf balls that they found around the course, or maybe people have hit into the range <laughs> that have you know various logos or you know personalized balls, and they they could be pretty old. I found this ball a month ago, maybe from uh, some Tex-Mex place. I think it was outside of Austin. And it was from <laughs> their, like, the restaurant's corporate annual golf event. And it must have been at least 15 years old. And the restaurant still exists. It's like, how did this ball find its way from this Austin Tex-Mex restaurant into my basket of range balls here in D.C.? So that's one thing. And then... They just got new range balls, which is nice, but they didn't fill out the whole set, right? So it's a mix. It's like the new balls plus the random sort of grab bag plus the old cut-up balls, but the new balls are yellow. So you have a mix of yellow balls. You have a mix of white balls. It's the most bizarre assortment of range balls you could possibly imagine. Um, I don't know. that I could go on forever about that range. It's, it's really an interesting place. It sounds like your next uh, uh, article for the golfer's journal to me. I'm just saying. The, the, the pitch sells itself. It could you know? be. It could be. I feel like, I, I don't know, probably not too many people have actually been there, but uh, it's, it's not the nicest driving range in the world. And in a strange way, I feel like it's like a you know, Jesus and manger scene kind of place when you like walk <laughs> into the little stalls and – and they're all wooden, and uh, it's it's bizarre. But I've enjoyed it this year. It's been nice to get out and hit some balls and get out into the fresh air. So uh, 
you know, I can't complain too much, I guess, because it's really the only easy place I can go and uh, hit a few golf shots without being forced to get paired with some random person. And you don't know where they've been and who they've been with and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you, I see the, you know, it's like on the island, basically, in the middle of the Potomac. Um, is it easy to get to? I mean, can you walk over there or, or do, you know, do you, how, do you, how do you access? So it is an island. I mean, almost everyone drives. In theory, you could walk there, but nobody really lives close enough to walk. But mm. um, near, I guess, what they call the wharf, there is a small ferry that will take you from a far more residentially populated area across the river and drop you off essentially across the street from the course. So there is a boat option, but I don't think it's heavily utilized. Um, And what is the, what's the course like at Eastbound? I mean, is it, I know it's, you know, lost a lot of its character over the years, but Good out. I mean, place to hack it around. You know, what, are we, maybe, what are we talking? About? I would be careful, but it, you know, it's more my personality to be honest. The place as it stands right now is an absolute shithole, <laughs> like the shittiest place that you could <laughs> imagine going to play golf, except for maybe Rock Creek. Um, there's just a lot of deferred maintenance that an upkeep that's not been taken care of over the years. And it's a shame, but the good news is they're going to correct that. Um, that said, I think over the years and decades, it's been a great place um, that many people in the DMV area have a lot of fond memories of learning to play golf there, um, spending time with you know their fathers or parents, friends. Uh, so it, it holds a pretty special place in the heart of people who are natives to the area, especially those who play golf and even those who don't play golf. Um, but if if you're going to introduce someone to golf, it, it might not be the first place you would want to take them because it's maybe the least glamorous golfing facility I've ever seen. <laughs> the golf situation in D.C., uh, as far as public golf goes, relative to where I live is pretty stark. It's, it's not very positive, right? I have to drive 45 minutes to an hour to get to like a pretty strong public course, but Potomac and no traffic is like 10 minutes away, but it's also a dump. And so I brought her to the driving range a few months ago because we're running out of things to do. And we left and she's like, okay, now I finally realize why you're talking about. She's like, this place stinks. And I was like, I told you, like, it, it you know, it serves a purpose. Um, and again, I can't wait to see the work that they're going to do there. And um, it's, it's really going to be great for the area and municipal golf on a national level. But as it sits right now, it's really a place that, hit a few balls and, uh, you know, maybe grab a beer, but that, that's about it. And what about, so like rock Creek, you talked about, I, I feel like my understanding was that's where they're going to start. They're going to do that project first. Cause it's the scale. I think a lot of it has to do when I was talking to Mike McCartan earlier today with all of the sort of bureaucratic approvals that they need in order to get work done. 
you know, because it's linked to the National Park Service, there are a lot more steps involved with making changes, especially environmental changes um, to these three different properties that you wouldn't find for just any old regular public golf course. Um, so there are a lot of permissions they need. What Mike told me was if they could start today, they would start at Rock Creek with, you know, knocking some stuff down and getting the driving range set up. I think it's yet to be seen what truly is the first thing that happens. There's some work that they're going to do at Langston around the river to clear out some of um, the trees and invasive brush that have come along the edges of the course to clear the space. So you can actually see the Anacostia river in the course, which as of right now, you wouldn't actually know that it was there because it's uh, the mm -hmm. brush is just so thick. So I think that's an immediate step. Um, I don't know about mm -hmm. Potomac though. That one is really kind of like the crown jewel. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but uh, you know, it's day one and there's a lot of work to be done and uh, a lot of sign-offs that need to happen. So we'll see, what, see how it goes. Well, I love the ambition of it. I, I think it's um, – they have the potential to do something incredibly impressive. Um, you know, if they get to the <clears> – <throat> we get to the point 5, 10, 15 years down the road and the courses have all been updated the way they wanted to and, you know, creating a showcase for municipal golf I think is pretty cool. Um, and it's something that – you know, you, you need good models to get other people to buy in, especially in government. You know, I've, I've worked so much in my life in, in and around local government that, you know, most places just, they don't know the difference between bad, good, great. You know, it's just very hard for people to decipher, especially for golf. You know, they don't, most, I feel like most people are not golf sure. natives who are running municipal golf facilities. You know, it's like always these sort of like peripheral people. Um, and so they don't know, I feel like they, they make decisions on things without really knowing what that does to the, right. the, the, I don't know, ethos of the place, if that makes sense. But I think yeah. they got an opportunity to showcase that up there, which would be super, super cool. Now you, you know, you, you talk about the scene up there. I mean, 45 minutes an hour. You got to be pretty I mean, dedicated you have no to choice, get the car really. haul out that far. I mean, what, what's your other option? Don't play or, you know, you could go to East Potomac. You could go to Langston. Rock Creek really isn't even much of a golf course anymore. Um, if you want to play golf, then you got to get in the car and drive. And you're probably going to be in for you know, a pretty lengthy round no matter where you go. You're going to fight for a good weekend tea time. It's just, it's a tough scene around here for public golf, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, we have Laurel Hill, which is really a great, fun golf course. They hosted the Pub Links. Um, that's generally where I go. But it's, uh, it's not ideal. You know, the close, closest courses to me are uh, Chevy Chase, which has... You know, a handful of Supreme Court justices as members along many other, you know, elite D.C. individuals. <laughs> and then you have Columbia, which is right down the street. Maybe not quite as exclusive, but certainly uh, nothing to turn your nose up at. And then you have Congressional and Burning Tree. Those are the four closest 
non-public golf courses. And so, you know, beyond that, you're in your car 45 minutes. You're in for a five-hour round. And you just kind of have to accept it. It's unfortunate, but it's the way it is. How, um, obviously, you got the, you know, the private <laughs> scene up there. Is the golf um, good at those places? I mean, you know, you hear things, but I don't, you know, I've never played it. Really be careful tell you with anything about most of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, you don't want to get yourself banned. If, if you compared the private courses and I don't think anyone would argue with this, uh, Washington DC to the nearest, uh, major metropolitan city. And let's go ahead and skip Baltimore for the sake of this discussion and say Philadelphia is the choice. Then it's, I mean, night and day, you can't even be compared um, I think the conditioning and the facilities at a lot of the courses in D.C., the private courses, are extremely good. Would the hardcore architecture fan say they thoroughly enjoy a bunch of the courses around here? Probably not. Um, and I know Doak just uh, did some work at Washington Golf. I haven't seen that yet. Um, anxious to check that out. We have Army Navy, which um, is an old Ross, which I think is 27 holes in Arlington. And that's a fun course. Really enjoy that. You know, I don't know. I I enjoy most private golf, if I'm being honest with you. Um, But would I rather go play at, you know, Baltimore Country Club or Stonewall or a bunch of places in the Northeast over pretty much anything in DC. Yeah, definitely. Even Burning Tree, I think, you know, the true the true architecture fan is going to say the place is kind of overrated simply because it's so ultra exclusive. So, switching gears, uh how's everything going in uh all things outside the cut? Pretty good. Um it's been a different kind of year you know we we saw each other down in orlando with the pga Boy, show what, wasn't that a bright and sunshiny moment you know you just oh what are we gonna do so much time in the year ahead where will we go who will we see yeah you know <laughs> it's pretty much went downhill from there <laughs> totally downhill from there i think i squeezed in uh one trip to la a week or two after that still just kind of creeping into the whispers about the virus. But, you know, looking back at that event, I don't know how many people attend it, but it's tens of thousands easily. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking like 30,000 people from around the world, everywhere, Europe, Asia, I mean, everywhere. And everyone's in this gigantic convention hall and, uh, Man, when you look back at that event, it's kind of scary. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it's it boggles the mind. You know that there had to have been people oh, who had it. I mean, no the question. COVID was definitely in attendance at the PGA Show 2020. No, no doubt about that. No doubt. I tell you, you know, I don't know if he'd want me to share this or not, but you know, Tom Coyne had to go home sick. He was he was like. Just deathly. I was supposed to play golf with him. 
one, I don't know when we went, like Wednesday morning or something. We're supposed to go play with him and Billy Collins out at Winter Park. And he calls me first thing in the morning. He's like, I'm, I'm going home. I, I, it's just, I've got the worst case of the flu. He says, go play with Billy. Have fun. He goes, and by the way, I, I need you to fill in for me this afternoon at Bay Hill playing with Roy Saunders. Can you do that? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I'd be happy to fill in for you, Tom. Hope you feel better, but. Um, you know, so, Jay, Jay, hold on. Let me stop you right oh there. Oh, God. I am so oh, glad you know that you brought story. this up. <laughs> I could not be happier totally that you just that told part. that story. You mousetrapped yourself. You walked <laughs> right on top of the trap yeah. door because we were supposed to go play at yeah, Winter we were. Park 9. <laughs> and I couldn't have been more excited to go play there with you. My plane lands in Orlando. I'm like, I'm going to go get my rental car. I think I'm going to go by demo day for a little bit. And then Jay and I are going to go play at Winter Park 9. My plane lands. I turn on my phone. And I get a message from you. That you're going to play Bay Hill. And you're bailing on our round at Winter Park 9. So, you know, it's, you know, uh, I, I was, that was a really dirty was, thing that you did. It was. I was literally saying that story. And as I was coming out of my mouth, I was sitting there and I was like, God, you know, it's all coming back to me. I feel like I had to cancel on someone. Oh, my God, it was him. That's me. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, so patient zero, uh, <laughs> Tom Coyne, is the reason that I had to cancel on you. Uh, if it makes you feel any better, I thoroughly embarrassed myself at Bay Hill, but I think I shot. It probably started with a nine. It was really bad. It was cold. Good God. It was, it was cold a brutal windy. afternoon. It was like brutal day. 25 brutal. mile an hour gusting yeah. winds. I, I distinctly remember it. It was a very tough day. Well, I, I remember being in uh, 18 fairway at a seven iron in my hand. I got Roy Saunders back there taking the photo of me so I can, you know, send it to my friends and show them how cool I am. And I just cold topped the thing. <laughs> In like a top shank into the back left bunker, which I then proceeded, I think, to skull over the green in the water mm. and um, exit unceremoniously. Well, you know what they say about karma, Jake. That's a funny thing. It is a funny thing. Um, but yeah, so, you know, ever since then, you know, it feels like all things golf content have just gotten super sideways this year. We're kind of getting back. I think we're getting back into some rhythm, but still not really. Yeah, it. it I don't know. It's been a strange year for everything. I mean, I, I'll call myself out. I forget who the first positive test was on tour. Um, do you remember? Let's see. Kind of like a you know middle of the pack sort of guy. I think. Sort yeah, of white bread. Like you know, big, was, yeah, you know. But that was probably um, within the first few days that they came back, right? And I said, oh, yeah, this yeah. might be the beginning of the end. And there was a lot of people that you know, didn't take too kindly to that opinion, which is fine. It turns out I was wrong. I think the tour's done a you know, fantastic job so far of uh, keeping everything in check. And I, I certainly thought that it was going to get off the rails and – to their credit, it's it's uh, stayed on track, and thank God because oh, yeah. I don't know what else we would do, uh, you know, 
if if there wasn't that sort of golf period. Now football's back on partially and you know, that's enjoyable. But for that time period in between, I'm glad that glad that things sort of stayed normal on tour and I'm not a big Jay Monahan fan, but credit to him. Well, and you, you know, we everyone rips them. They get ripped just religiously. Um but they do they are owed you know, a significant amount of credit for being a pull off. Cause it did, it felt like in those first couple of weeks, like, okay, these, these things might be about to multiply and, but they never, they never did. Um, I don't know if that's just, you know, maybe they somehow convinced the players to really, you know, be cautious. Um, I, I don't have think a hard that, time. I don't think that, that. I mean, look, you know, you see plenty of, plenty of guys, 25 year olds running around, plenty of guys out there, uh, you know, doing all kinds of things, which they're happy to promote uh, online. So <laughs> I don't think the players are, at least a portion of them are taking too many precautions. But it's and it's actually pretty crazy just how, I mean, for the last, what, you know, month or two, I mean, I, I, I don't even remember anybody really getting a positive test. Maybe one or two kind of random ones here and there, but there was there was yeah. one or two withdrawals, I think, from US Open. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. But 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 only one or two, not not many. Yeah, Scheffler got didn't he had to pull out? Scotty he? He was Scotty uh, pulled out yeah. a wing foot, which is uh-huh. unfortunate because he looks so good. Yeah, he's playing great. The PGA. Um but yeah, yeah. No big names. Mm-mm. It'll, it's going to be interesting to see. Well, we got you know a month on a month from now we'll be watching the fan pay, excuse me patronless there you go uh, Masters tournament. Um, that's going to be a, a a really fascinating scene. I I played with a guy um, whose family has a membership there. I was suckling up to that as you would imagine but um he told me you know that they like you know they always rent their house out every year for some you know astronomical sum and um he said what they basically did is they agreed just to like you know they kept the money but said you it's on us come spring you know we just we'll, we'll 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 have it here for you in the spring um but he said, you know, it's just gonna, it's just devastating to that town. I mean, you got so many people who, you know, their whole business model is, is just that one week. You know, um, it's gonna be really interesting to see, and 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 weird to watch. I think too. I, it was weird seeing the. I saw the live from commercial come on Golf Channel maybe Sunday night, and I was like, oh man, that okay, that's different. You know, you, the U.S. Open's great, big deal, obviously, but. Masters is different. I don't know. I just, just a next level kind of viewing experience. At least. Yeah. Yeah. I think I forget who, who tweeted this, but they said, you know, watching a fall masters, uh, very possibly could be a once in a lifetime sort of event. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so, so in that way, I think that was a good sort of half glass, half full, uh, way to look at it. I know that I had a room booked at some hotel in Augusta when it was still, I think they had pushed it back 
once, right, before they push it all the way until November. And they'd gotten some sort of inside information about the date they were going to move it to. So I went ahead and booked his hotel room. As soon as they released the new first new date, my room was promptly canceled. Um, I guess the hotel had some sort of deal with you know, the Augusta National Mafia or, or something to house. Maybe it's media or whoever, but I remember this was probably in April being absolutely furious that they had canceled my reservation. Right. And I wasn't going to pursue legal action, but uh, to your point about the event kind of being so crucial to the town of Augusta, which is a pretty small little place. um, I think that was a good example of that. That club really runs Augusta. Like you can, you can, you can have a contract on a hotel room and Augusta changes their date and all of a sudden, guess what? You don't have a contract anymore because they said so. Have you ever flown in there? I have not. I flew into Columbia, I think the one year that I went to um, a practice round. Actually, you know what? I flew out of Augusta and it's pretty entertaining because you see you know, 50 <laughs> private jets all in a row, one yeah. by one by one by one. And the craziest part is that's not even unique to the Masters. That's just the traveling circus of the PGA Tour. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. you go mm-hmm. play whatever used to be, I guess, the Byron in Dallas. And you go to DFW or Love Field, and you're going to see all those jets lined up wherever they're playing. They're all going there. Um, yeah, it was quite a spectacle at that tiny little airport to see, you know, whatever, $500 million dollars a, worth of jets or a billion dollars worth of jets. I flew in there, in and out of there, maybe uh, a year, maybe it was two years ago. I think it was two years ago. I was up there hanging out at Champions Retreat. And... um the airport is really a trip. There's like a little, like a little synthetic green, like right outside off on, off the concourse. And then, uh, there's this really big statue of Raymond Floyd mm-hmm. in the right in the middle. You know, you come walking through and you're like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. But then you're like, why, you know, Hey, Ray Floyd, great champion. But that you went with Ray Floyd. Weird like, choice. That's the one you went with. <laughs> Not from there or anything. I have no idea why there's this big bronze Ray Floyd sitting right there in the middle of the airport. And then right behind it is a uh, case with an outfit or collection of outfits from James Brown. Um, You know, just quite the eclectic little uh, curated experience there. I mean, I think it's only fair that they take that Floyd statue down and replace it with the true truest of all augusta champions that's patrick reed obviously oh man hometown boy you know i i happened to be scrolling through earlier saw someone ship or someone was tweeting about somebody had bought a photo on ebay that was signed by both um <laughs> signed by both patrick reed and justine oh. uh, over there at at use golf facts i'd like that um and you know, Shipnut was like, "If you paid anything less than five thousand dollars for that, it's a steal." I would love um, that. 
You know, so I was at, um, gosh, this story. I was at Beth Page for the PGA, I don't know, a few years ago. And mm-hmm. practice round, I come across Reed's group, and he's got kind of his little, you know, team Reed with him, following him around. They get to number, I think, nine, and they have cars parked kind of out on the course to take you back if you don't want to play all 18. So Reed comes Mm. off nine. He heads, I guess, to the right to the cars that are hidden in the trees. Justine heads to the left like she's going to 10T. And I'm sort of in between them. And I hear Patrick say, yelling for Justine. And she can't hear him. And there's not that many people there. But he keeps yelling for her. And so I finally yell at her and I say, hey, Justine, Patrick wants to talk to you. (laughs) So she turns around. And Patrick is pissed. He's standing there. (laughs) with these eyes that are like burning a hole straight through her because I guess he was upset that he wanted to go back. She couldn't hear him and he was calling her name and he proceeded to briefly berate her publicly in front of it. It was like the most exciting thing ever because there are all these stories about that bizarre family dynamic and uh, the Coraines and the Reeds and they're, they're just the most unusual individuals ever. And to witness essentially a domestic dispute between the two of them (laughs) in person. And not only that, but to be a part of coordinating their communication to one another was I was on cloud nine. I was like, this is like what golf Twitter was made for. And I think I proceeded to tell the story in a tweet thread, but it was so worth uh, my entire day and hassle of going out there just to witness the exchange between Patrick and his wife. It was, uh, it was bizarre to say the least. He could not have been, uh, less kind in that interaction over a simple, I guess, miscommunication. I, he, he is the most perplexing, strange individual. I've, I, I just, it just blows my mind. I'm also always curious, like, how is he a Nike quote unquote athlete? Like, you know, Really, Nike? Like that? Like, I don't. I, how did he even? Like, where did? At what point did he even become like? Hey, let's let's pick this cat up. He looks great in our stuff. Well, um, I mean, you could say that about a lot of Nike athletes. I mean, look at Tiger. Uh, well, it's not very attractive, right? right? I mean, Tiger's track record is not exactly exemplary, but ultimately, you know, you mean you don't like the cargo shorts? I'm just saying in terms of, uh, you know, some of their personal decisions, Patrick, Tiger, they're not the only ones on the Nike squad that you know, have some questionable decision making. But ultimately, they just, uh, 
you know, if you win, you get in front of the camera, you show the swoosh. That's worth money. Mm. Yeah. The uh, what do you think is the most interesting um, storyline developing in golf? We I feel like we were talking about this not too terribly long ago when uh, we were chatting, and it it does keep evolving. You know, the Bryson thing is got a whole new set of fresh air. I feel like now that he's a major champion, which feels kind of weird. Yeah, I mean. What hasn't been said about Bryson and what hasn't been said about you know, rolling the ball back? Um, you know, there, there are a few very common narratives sort of going throughout the game. I think the Mike Davis story with the USGA is really interesting. Um, see how that plays out. Um, but in large part, I think a lot of the stories that, that are getting passed around is the primary you know, talking points, get, they get a little tired pretty quickly. Um, to me, at least. And, and I, I totally agree. It, that may not be fair because we, we spend our, you know, a lot of our free time, certainly more than we should, uh, sort of engaging ourselves in those discussions and conversations. So maybe to the general public, they're not quite as exhausting um, but my guess is the general public's probably not listening to this podcast. I would think that's <laughs> uh, generally correct. The, uh, you know, it's it's funny you talk about that. Like my, I'm friends with um, Kevin Clark over at uh, the Ringer, and he was tweeting about you know Bryson, you know, and even was like he was talking about it on his show with like Ryan Russillo, and he's like, this guy just like broke golf. And, you know, Kevin's like, you know, he's he's getting into the game more and more. He watches it. He's definitely a fan. But it's like he's a good barometer for, like, when a story hits his level, okay, then it's it's going pretty mainstream as far as, you know, sports fandom goes. Um, so I feel like, you know, we've been watching this progress with him, especially with the, you know, beefcake eating and protein shake, you know, injections. and Sure. 400 yard drives, you know, all year long and just laughing at it. But, but it finally broke through to kind of mainstream when he wins a, a U.S. Open. But I, I kind of wonder, you know, you know, you get into golf Twitter a lot and it's, we, we, we're obviously, you know, thick as thieves into that scene. But I wonder what the next round of stories that will start to develop on, on golf for it, it does feel like we've, you know, we've had some doozies this year, but I, I, I does, it doesn't feel like the year's quite over yet. You know, we're going to have – there's going to be a few more storylines. I just don't know – I don't know what they are. Yeah, I mean, strangely, it, as much as the world is shut down, this will be the golf season that really never ends, right? Because usually in the fall, mm. there's this portion of the year um, – no offense to all the Sanderson fans out there, but uh, – you know, people tune out, football comes back, and golf takes a back seat really until you know, Kapalua, essentially. But this year will be a little bit different, and there'll be a lull between now and the Masters. But uh, this, this will kind of be the golf year that never really ended in some ways. Um, but besides that, back to your original question, I think for me, the one story that's not 
gotten as much press, I guess, as something like Bryson and the ball and all that sort of stuff is the no fans this year. And I have to say, I've thoroughly enjoyed there not being any fans. Like, and I don't want to talk about coverage. It's not a coverage take, although it certainly involves coverage. Um, I think it's been been pretty enjoyable. The audio that we've gotten has been pretty fantastic. I think that like going forward, even doing like only weekends with fans would be good or or some sort of hybrid dynamic where like, I don't know, maybe they can fix the audio. Maybe they can't, maybe they don't want to, but um, I, I have not missed the fans at all whatsoever. Um, It's been pretty enjoyable to watch maybe a little slow sometimes, but uh, getting some of these conversations has been pretty fascinating. I think that's a very astute point. I, you know, and not having the Baba Buoys is. <laughs> I I did a hear one at I mean, the U.S. Open from I guess someone you know in a backyard. Patino, or, yeah, it was probably Rick. Rick, Rick yeah. Patino coming over the Rick fence. gave a few seconds of a Baba Buoy. Um, <laughs> so. This whole concept of no fans, I don't think anyone, except for maybe one person, could have really imagined. And the one person is Andy Johnson from the Fried Egg, has been sort of promoting this idea of not having fans for a few years. And he gave me this take back at the U.S. Open in Shinnecock. And I couldn't tell if he was kidding or not when he told told it to me, I was like, is this a joke? Like I couldn't get a good read on uh, what his perspective was. And then I realized after he, I guess, came out more publicly with it, whether he was doing it in jest or not, like he was pretty serious about not having fans. And I could never have imagined that it would take place. And by some act of, I guess, the devil, uh, we have had a year without fans. <laughs> and Again, I haven't hated it. Yeah, I, you know, it's different. I think, you know, Augusta will be a good barometer for it, right? Because you'll you'll be you, – the, the roars are just such a part of it. Um, but, you know, someone – I can't remember where I was reading this. Some wonderful content creator was talking about, you know – if you're on 15 green at Augusta and you're looking over there at, you know, 16 T or if you're vice versa, if you're on 16 T and somebody makes a, you know, Eagle putt on 15, I mean, you know, that dynamics is just going to be very different uh, than what it would have been, you know, in the past, but maybe in a, maybe in a, in a cool way. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, we've all been in some sort of tournament, whether it was, you know, high school or, member guest or something and you, you know, you kind of taunt the person from a green or fairway over, um, you know, maybe, maybe we'll get something pretty unique there to, to your point about, you know, being able to hear the guy. I, I mean, if we can hear the conversations at Augusta, that will be, that'd be a real treat. I mean, that would be very different. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it is crazy. It's wild to, and it also opens up so many other possibilities for golf courses. You know, we don't have to have 50,000 people out there every day. All of a sudden, 
Marion's not a logistical nightmare anymore, you know, and there's probably dozens of other places that you could think about going to. Yeah. I mean, you still run into the yard is issue, but uh, in, in terms of the infrastructure and space, sure. It opens up more spots, but realistically, they're, the list of places they can play is sadly so short that. Oh, and getting yeah. shorter. Yeah. What um, what are the things that you're you're most interested in, um, writing about or creating stories about these days? You know, I haven't done a lot of writing this year. I've done a few things, um, not much. One of the best parts about, you know, my site, Outside the Cut, whatever, is, you know, I, I don't necessarily do it to for money. I certainly don't do it for money, actually. Um, I don't have any obligations to any sponsors, not that anyone's reached out to me, but I am able to do what I want, when I want. I don't have to answer to anyone. I have no obligations. Um, And that's something I really enjoy. One of the things I've always said, you know, at least for now, is like if I don't have anything to say, and and I'm talking about writing, blogging, Mm -hmm. I'm just not going to say it, right? Like I'm not going to write a filler blog because it's a waste of my time. It's the waste of a reader's time if this is something that's already been said by five other people or even one or two other people and it's not unique i'm not going to do it um so this year i I, i've just felt like i've not had too much to say again i've done a few things but um i enjoy that freedom of feeling like if i if I want to post something once a week because I have a lot to say, then I'll do that. If I want to post something once every two months, I'll do that. But I don't want to do something that I don't feel uh, committed to and adds value to someone who's going to take their time to read whatever it is that I have to write or say. That's a great point. Yeah, there's there's so much... um... Yeah, every time let's let's take we'll go back to the US Open, right? I mean so in the twenty four hour period after, you know, from Bryson getting handed the trophy, you know, my timeline is just one Bryson story after another. And and I'm sure, you know, again, a lot of talented people doing, you know, writing great things. I'm sure there were a lot of good takes in there and stuff, but like I mean, how many of those can you can you really read? You know, I mean and they're all Sure. They're all a different version of the same story. And that does seem to happen just a, a ton. Um, and, you know, the stuff that, that makes you stop, it's so hard to get someone to stop on their, you know, Twitter you know, timeline or Facebook, Instagram, whatever. It's so hard to get someone to stop. And then it's even harder to get them to click. And it's even really, really difficult to get someone then mm-hmm. to spend time you know, actually consuming something. So I think you got a great point in that, you know, it's almost counterintuitive. It's like, you know, if you, if you do less and someone sees that you've done something, they're going, Oh shit. Okay. Well, Trey's got a a point to make. I might 
I might see what that's yeah. about. Yeah. I mean, that's um, like, you know, the quiet guy speaks up in a meeting. Finally, he never says anything, but finally has something to say. People might listen more than they would if he's the guy who, who just wants to talk so he can hear himself talk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, I, mean, I I started this year with this you know experiment to try to write a, you know, two three hundred little word story quote unquote you know whatever you want to call them a day. I probably got through almost every day and up until about you September stopped? five. Like I don't know if I have anything I, up to say. Well, I've been do- I'm probably doing it now probably every two to three days. I've just I've just I mean I, you know after a while it's like, you were so deep it. into it though didn't you, you know. didn't you feel some guilt to not finish the journey. I mean, I thought, let me be clear. I thought well, it was crazy to begin with, but that being said, you made it so far. Well, yeah, it was, it was, I, I felt like Forrest Gump. I literally felt like I was just going. And then one day I kind of was like, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I don't really, have, I don't really, I'm like, okay, I've, 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 I wrote 200 of these and I'm like, I'm just not sure. How much left that I've I've got in the in the tank here, you know, but I still find stuff. I mean, I fueled a lot of it, um, you know, during the quarantine because it actually I thought it was going to get, I thought it was going to make it harder because originally I was like planning on doing a lot of stuff. You know, I'd go take all these wonderful trips and I'd talk about you know where I was, and instead yeah. it's like I just ended up playing. I mean, I looked at my gin thing the other day i've got 55 rounds logged this year is that good or bad um i don't really know i think it's a lot though i mean i always play a lot of golf but to have 55 eight full 18 whole rounds i mean to me that's a lot that's that's a lot that's a lot i can't i i don't think i have more um 15 I, this is the least I've played golf yeah. since I sort of started playing golf again after my traveling days in Manhattan. I mean, without question, I've played once a month at most, probably. A couple couple stretches in there oh. where, I, where I played, you know, like did a weekend trip or something and played a few rounds. Yeah. But in terms of regularly playing... Almost not at all. It became like, um, I still think, you know, like the golf course is like the only place where the world makes sense to me. Like every, every hole is just, Hey, this is pretty simple. You got to hit it there and you got to hit it over there. There's a lot of ways you can go about doing it and you got to get it in that damn hole. And and you're in control of that, you know, to a large degree, which I I think I just get drawn more and more to it. When things get crazier on the outside, I go, like, way deep into it. Like, I just go more and more to it because mm-hmm. it just becomes the retreat of all retreats. And then I, I just finished this piece. I don't know if I'm going to – it's looking for a home. Um, but, it's you know, the day after, you know, I found out I would no longer uh, have my former – position um yeah i i you know it's like i'm standing around pacing in the living room the next morning drinking my coffee and it's like i guess i'll just go to the golf course um i had anything better to do 
and it felt like the right thing to do and just enjoyed the living hell out of it. Yeah, God almighty, it was the best, most beautiful morning, nice and crispy out, sun's coming up, you know, and you're like, ah, you know, everything would be fine. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's it's funny, man. I just, I always retreat back to it anytime things get hairy. It's, um, it's like a coping mechanism yeah. or something. Yeah, like yeah, it can definitely be like, therapy uh in some respects i understand that the problem is this year is like you know especially when you're you know you belong to a club you have a group of people you know them you trust them i hope to some extent but when you go in to play public golf you, know, you book a <laughs> tea time maybe you're playing with a buddy or something but you don't have a full foursome and it's just a lot of time spent around people that you don't know when there's so many questions out there and I, I'm not necessarily a hardcore COVID person locking myself in my house, but I, you know, take it seriously and use precautions Yeah, and all the things that you should be doing in a lot of ways. Like if I have to play by myself and I know that I'm essentially going to get stuck with probably riding with some other person, depending on the course, oh. I'm just not going to play. And so that's a big yeah. reason why I haven't played a lot this year. Is it's just too much anxiety and stress involved in that whole thing. Uh, I never really thought about that. I guess because I just well, you live, you know, live the high life at the club. I, li- I know you, I live you a privileged life. You know, visit golfnow dot com. You don't have the golf pass. You're not on. Let, me, let me put it this way. Whatever. I I I tell everybody, you know, it, it does does Capital City Country Club sound really prestigious? Why, yes, but in reality, you know, it's. I mean, we're we we've, we've got that place held together by you know bailing wire and chewing gum. I mean, you know, I always tell everybody like you know they're like, oh, it's so cool, you get to play with your dog. I'm like, well, they're not gonna really kick me out because they need the dudes yeah. too bad. I don't know. I didn't really ever get any permission from anyone. We just all kind of do it. Um, but, you know, I mean, we don't, I, you know, we don't really, we have public golf out there, which, which is wonderful. It helps keep the lights on. Um, but we don't, we, we don't pair. I don't think we pair anyone up like that. I mean, it's not in, it's in demand, but it's not in such demand that we have to, you know, if you wanted to go out and play by yourself, you know, Saturday at four o'clock in the afternoon, you're probably going to be able to get on. Um, we're not going to jam you in with, you know, three random dudes. Uh, I, I never really have thought about it though, you know, particularly in the COVID lens of, you know, if you hop in your car and you go 45 minutes out into, you know, the burb somewhere to, you know, Joe Blow public golf course, and then you'd have to get stuck in a cart with someone. That just I hadn't never even thought about that. That's it's a, a it's a kind of blows huge detractor to go into play for me at least because you know I know some people around the area that I play golf with, but at the same time, there, I wouldn't say there's a big contingent of people or a crew that necessarily we go out and play. So if I'm going to go out and play with someone I know is probably only one other person. And if they're not available or a couple of the other people aren't available and I still want to play, then I'm going to play as a single. And on a weekend, you're going to get stuck with someone. 
there's just too many people in this area. And, you know, it's just, it's like, that's why I've ended up going to the driving range so much. Because I don't want to have to sit in a cart with some random person or even, you know, go play with some random person. And a lot of the courses aren't walkable. Some of them are. Not all of them are. Certainly not a lot of people walk on the weekends around here. So, yeah. you know, if you want to walk, then... I don't know. It's, it's just a tough situation, especially if you want to play as a single golfer on the weekend here in the COVID world. Um, yeah. You just need to go up to um, up to the Cape and see McSpadden. <laughs> Live that lap of luxury for a little, little bit. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I don't know even what the quarantine rules are. There's so many different like state. You know, you can come from here, but you can't go from there. And if you come here, you got to quarantine from there. I know he's been stuck up there for, I guess, the whole year. He's not been allowed to leave, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Um, yeah, he told me that. It's just, it's a mess. It is a mess. It is a mess, but uh, it's the mess we're in. Speak, speaking of mess, maybe a good uh, uh, sort of landing uh, zone for this conversation uh, before I have to go in here and um, uh, eat some ice cream before I go to bed. Um, wh- what's your What's your take on the state of golf Twitter these days? You know, I think it's pretty good. Um... This year, let's set aside COVID. I mean, any election year is going to be probably a more contentious environment, whether you're talking golf Twitter, NBA Twitter, you know, gaming Twitter, you know, knitting Twitter, whatever. (laughs) People are going to have opinions. And I think I expressed a month or two ago that, I don't particularly enjoy seeing people's political opinions on golf Twitter. It's not why I follow a lot of people. With that being said, I think there are some people I certainly make exceptions for. Maybe I agree with them. Maybe I don't. Um, I'm willing to kind of put up with it because I'm friends with them or we have some sort of relationship. So I don't love seeing a lot of the politics in golf Twitter, but understand that elections are important people have opinions that uh, they feel great convictions about and they're going to express them and that's their right. So I think, uh, you know, between now and the election and even the last few months, it's been a little bit of a weird place that I've not enjoyed quite as much as I might normally. Um, but otherwise I think it's been a good year, good year on golf Twitter, not, not too many big, issues or controversies people tend to be handling the situation pretty well altogether yeah i think that's that's well said i you know i went through probably well so my whole adventure in golf probably started when i decided it's at a certain point that uh my presence on social media was only going to be about golf because I didn't want to get into politics. I didn't want to get into just, Hey, Jay's random, 
you know, observations from the grocery store line, you know, I, I, I just said, I'm going to focus. I'm going to, I'm going to, I like being on here, but I needed to have kind of a point. And so golf became the point. And I also have spent probably the last two years meticulously, um, you know, excommunicating all, you know, politics from my timeline. I, I don't watch any particularly political leaning news. You know, I, I go, you know, I read, you know, I read the news, me and Sarah Palin <laughs> read the news. Um, but, um, I just, I've just tried to ki- just keep as much of it out of my sphere as possible. Cause it's, it really is just like cancer for your thoughts. I mean, you just can get consumed by it and it's, it just makes you, you know, bitter and angry and it's weird. Uh, and it, but some people seem to like, they can't get enough of it. And I, you know, I'm with you. I, I don't really, I respect people's political opinions and, you know, I, I, I don't have any problem with the fact that they have them. Um, and you know, I don't really care if they want to share them. I just, I just don't want to read yeah. them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but you know, I love, I love talking golf and I love having that little, you know, escape, you know, a couple times a day, pop in, see what everybody's talking about and catching a drift. And yeah, there, there's a lot of people doing some really cool stuff, which is, I always admire the creativity that's out there. Who, Who's doing your favorite stuff these oh, days? God. Um, sheesh. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of uh, Monday Q. I think he's a great guy. I mm, talk to him yeah. fairly regularly. And, you know, qualifiers wasn't something that, to be honest, I was particularly interested in. And even now, um, frankly, I don't care about them that much. But I think he does such a great job at covering that space and that gap between um, Corn Ferry and the tour and bringing to life a lot of the challenges and struggles that guys who are trying to make it go through. He's developed a lot of relationships there. He's done some live streams from different events, which have been pretty cool. Um, So... What, what I like, I guess, the most, even if I don't still to this day care that much about qualifiers, is like he found this space that nobody was really operating in, and he's done a spectacular job of capturing it. Um, and I think anyone who's sort of interested in you know, building out a spot in the golf media world uh, should look at what he's done and what others have done uh, because if you're doing something that other people are already doing or you're just replicating or uh, kind of mirroring, mimicking someone else and you don't have your own voice, you don't have your own story perspectives then you're wasting your time. You're wasting other people's time. Um, So uh, I I really enjoy his account. I think he's a great guy. I know he's had some uh, struggles with his family this year different health issues that they've gone through. And uh, I'd say he kind of stands out to me this year. Yeah, no, that's, it's a very um, story rich environment in which no one was going into. And um, and he does do a wonderful job with it. It's, it's on, it's kind of one of those things where if you can, 
if you can go in somewhere and make people care about something that they otherwise would have totally just not even paid any attention to, mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive. Not easy to do either. Um, yeah, it's very cool. And I, you know, it's funny. It's like one of the things that I love about that whole scene is just, I mean, you know, you just, you just make these incredible connections. Um, and people are usually pretty, I'd say about 95% of the golf media world I have found to be just incredibly receptive to outreach. You know, anybody who wants to make a relationship generally can, um, which is really cool. And, you know, that's, um, that's how we get to have conversations Absolutely. like this. Listen, man, I'm sure glad we got a chance to catch up for a little bit, got the inside scoop on what's going on in DC and, um, you know, what all's going on in your world, but, um, I'm glad we got to catch up. Good to talk to you, Jay. Good to hear from you. Yeah, man. Well, we'll, uh, we'll have to do it again soon. And, uh, uh, I promise you, soft promise (laughs) you that, uh, if we make it back to Orlando, uh, we'll, we'll get that round in this, this, uh, this sounds good. Look forward to it. All right, man. Well, thanks for your time, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up again soon. All right. Sounds good, Jay. Thanks.